The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com. This is my sports voice, everybody. How are you doing today? With Lou DiPietro on the iTunes Podcast Nation as well. I am Chris Sheeran. At Chris Sheeran, yes. That is at Lou DiPietro, yes. To my right, your left. Hi, Lou. Sup. Now that I've woken everybody up from their slumber... Don't hit the snooze bar. <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about. Especially not with today's show. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. A lot to cover. First things first, uh, I guess we've got to start with the playoff uh, teams, and, and, and we're going to go with the Nets for obvious reasons. This is the S yes Network. We do cover the Brooklyn Nets. And, um, you know, for Nets fans out there, after game two on a Wednesday night, I read a tweet from We Must Be Nets. Uh, we follow each other. He's a very solid net fan. And he said, I would rather be frustrated from close losses than just disinterested from blowouts. I tend to have the exact opposite mindset. Yeah. And, and I, I tweeted this last night um, to mm-hmm. another Nets fan. And I said, you know, this has to be so painful Four Nets fans, because you are so close in two games, the first two games in the opposition's building, the number one seed in the conference, that if you took care of the basketball, if you cut down on your turnovers in those first two games, you might actually be up to nothing. And it, it reminded me a lot, Lou, of last year's Heat series that the Nets could have definitely won. Definitely won. They had the heat by the. Sh- <laughs> they were more than on the ropes. Yeah. Yes, and and Bosch hits a th- big three. Start and they start pulling away again. Donnie Marshall and I would be downstairs, and the Nets would be up three. By the time we walked up to the studio, the Nets were down five. We could not fathom a minute and a half walk up the steps talking, and in like a six seven point swing in the game. Unbelievable, but it's eerily reminiscent. Yeah, I, I was going to say it reminds me last year of what Nets fans must be going through right now. It reminds me of what I went through, and Doug and I talked about this on, on the Yes Men last year, watching the Stanley Cup Finals as Ranger fans. I where, brought that up too. Where you can theoretically see where the Rangers could have won that series four games to one. Easily. And, and Easily. yet they didn't. And that's, you know, game one was not as close as the score indicates from the majority of it. Um, they were down, what, 16 in the second they quarter were and came all the way back? 16 in the second quarter and 16 in the third and quarter. And came all the way back. Last night was a lot closer than, than that. They will win a game in Brooklyn. They're not going to go quietly into that good night. They've shown that. They will give Atlanta a test, and, and I'm convinced they will win one game in Brooklyn. Whether it's Saturday or whether it's Monday, you know, who knows, obviously. But... Atlanta may just kind of be like, all right, we'll take it easy and then we'll, we'll hammer them back home. You know, I hate to say it that way, but, you know, Atlanta might be a little mentally tired come three or four and just Brooklyn takes advantage. They finally get over that hump. The problem is, and it's not so much a problem as it is a, a you, you kind of lament it, Brooklyn has done this without something in each of the first two games. In game one, they weren't sharing the ball. They were dreadful from beyond the arc. They just weren't playing their game. They weren't spacing the floor, and they almost won. Last night, Darren Williams played more like, I don't know, somebody, somebody not named Will- <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think of some kind of mediocre NBA player named Jason Williams. 
white chocolate Jason Williams. Uh, he did not look good at all as he took one step closer to the mid-level exception for his next contract. And yet, here they are. I mean, this is their max point guard playing so poorly. And yet again, they the final score is what, 99-91? Somewhere in that? 96-91. 96-91. It was 99-92 in game one, 96-91 right. in game two. And listen, the Hawks... Just five times during the regular season, the Hawks were held under 39% shooting. The Nets did that last night. Yep. They shot 38.7%, and they won. Mm-hmm. They still scored 96 points. They, they didn't play well either. They've, Kyle Korver hasn't been great. And they were they right good. for the taking in both of these games. And it, it, it's so, like I said, it's so eerily reminiscent of that Heat series last year. And as Lou uh, so eloquently brought up, the, the Rangers and Kings. You know, as a Ranger fan, I look back at that, and I lost 10 years of my life. I've, I've brought that up on this podcast. But let's get to some key numbers from this Hawks-Nets series. Over the first two games, the Nets have turned the ball over 33 times, leading to 43 Hawk points off turnovers. You cannot do that against the, this Atlanta Hawk team. They will eat you alive. They are athletic. They are long. They get up and down the floor. They are unbelievable on the fast break. If you give them the ball, if you turn it over, they're turning defense into offense. That's number one. Number two, turnovers. Last, last two weeks of the regular season, the Nets led the league. Led the league. They were only turning it over 11.1 times per game. Three of those games, three of the six games for those numbers, they had 10 or less. 10 or less turnovers. They had 17 in the first, which led to 24 points. And they had 16 Wednesday night, which led to 19 points. And in the first half, they had nine. Jarrett Jack is one, you know, he came out, Darren Williams was ineffective. And and Lionel Hollins could sit there and talk about his rebounds and talk about his assists all he wants. I don't care. Your point guard, your all-world, all-star point guard needs to be getting to the rim needs to be getting to the foul line, and needs to be a distributor. And he is doing none of that. He had the assist, fine, whatever. But he needs to get to the hole. He needs to get to the line. Darren Williams is not doing that. And the, his entire Nets career, you could boil it down to that baseline jump shot for the tie at the end of the game that rims in and out. Now, it looked good, Okay. He passed on a wide-open three. He got Bazemore to fly by him to step in and take that two. And he still missed it. He's passing up on shots. Boyan Bogdanovich had a couple wide-open looks at three. He passed up on shots. I don't... I, they wanted to get Brooke more touches. Sunday in game one, he just had seven. He went for 17 and 14 with seven shots. Pretty, seven pretty efficient. shots. It was his third career playoff double-double. The other night, game two, 15 shots, 20 points, seven boards. He had that double-double almost at halftime in game one. He had nine and nine at the half. And you brought up the threes. Glenn G. and Granny and I are, you know, our head writer and research department, too, when uh, our good buddy Yes to Research, Jeff Quagliata, is is not available. Um, We looked on stat pass last night, their three-pointers. When the Nets shoot under 31% from three, they're 10 and 27, and they were 30.8 last mm-hmm. night. This team, I don't know how many times I have to say it. They live and die beyond the arc. They were built 
for perimeter sharpshooting, Alan Anderson. Boyan Bogdanovich. Mirza Toledovic got three minutes in the game last night. It's just good to see Mirza back. Yeah, you can't say anything about Mirza other than that was awesome. Yeah. To see him it was. out there. It was. Yep. Absolutely. You can't say anything negative about him. But Bogey, Mirza, if he's completely healthy, Alan Anderson, Darren Williams, Jarrett Jared Jack, Joe Johnson. These guys are supposed to stretch the defense and make Brooke Lopez's life easier. And when you're going eight for 25 from three – Nothing is easy. Nothing. So you hold the Hawks under 39% shooting, but you turn the ball over 16 times, and you shoot under 31% from three. It's not a good recipe you're, for success. No, your all-star, all-world point guard, who probably you know, can't shake what Paul Pierce said about him, let's be honest. you, you got to throw that out there. It's there. You have to think... You know, what's going through his mind? He misses that shot. Jarrett Jack, just the eighth time this year, he had 23 or more points. Darren, not effective. One for seven from the field, including the big miss at the end of the game. Jack was nine for 13 with 23 points. Allen Anderson and Jack combined to go 14 of 20 for 36 points and 10 rebounds. However, Jarrett Jack even admitted it in the post game. He said, the turnovers start and end with me and Darren. If we can't protect the ball, we're not going to do well in this series. And Jack, in two games, has nine turnovers himself. Nine of the 33 turnovers are Jared Jared Jacks. Jacks. Let me say two things about this situation. The first one is, if you listen to sports talk radio, and you listen to podcasts, and you listen to the RSNs and the the media in this market, there's probably no bigger, long-suffering Nets fan than Evan Roberts. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. This morning on my way in, I was listening to Joe and Evan. And Evan particularly said, you know, and you heard it. You were here last night doing the postgame during the Yankees postgame. That Lionel Holland said, if you're not out there, you know, dealing with the situation, you can't really talk about it. And I agree 100% with what Evan Roberts said this morning. He said, yes, I can. Because I've lived and died with this team for 84 games now. And I'm physically, you know, I and the fans, we are physically exhausted at the end of these games because of the, the way they play. And then he said that of all the people on that roster that you can have take that final shot, Darren Williams, in his mind, is pretty low on that list. And let's be honest, Lionel Hollins is going to say what he has to say to protect his players, and Darren Williams is going to say what he has to say to protect himself. But in the back of their minds and in the back of every fan's mind, that's pretty true. There's a lot of guys on that team you'd want taking that shot ahead of Darren Williams right now, and that's a problem. Joe Johnson, Jarrett Jack. Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Brooke Lopez Brooke takes Lopez. that shot. I mean, his is a little more in from the elbow, but... I could see, to an extent, drawing up a play for Darren or, or trying to work it to him, because if he hits that shot, maybe it triggers something, and maybe he starts playing like everybody knows how he's mm-hmm. capable of playing. And to an extent... I get it. And if that was the play that was drawn up to bottle up the middle and get him an open look like that, and he did have a wide open corner three, but he chose to fake it, come in, and and for the tie. Look, you know, Josh Isaac, our producer for the Nets Premium Post game, we watched the entire game yesterday together. And the first half, lazy with passes, the ball's getting stolen, they're turning into points. And you can't give Kyle Korver a centimeter 
or 0.1 seconds with a basketball and no one in his face. You need to be on him like like white on rice all the time. Yeah. Because he just pulls. Yep. He is the definition of a pop, pop and shoot player. Once that ball's in his hands, you're in trouble. And, and look, this is the point that a lot of people, including Evan Roberts and, and, and Net fans, they have every, every right to say whatever they want. And I get Holland's point to the, to the extent you're not on the floor, you're not in that pressure situation, you're not taking that shot. Okay, but as Evan said, I'm a fan. I've lived and died with you for 84 games now. I'm physically exhausted, probably losing yeah. years of my life. But here's my point. You sign those contracts. Now, I know the team gives you that money, but you sign that deal. You, especially in, this, in the New York area, you better live up to that money you're making. And that, that right there is why fans are not going not to take that garbage from Hollins. That's absolutely right. And listen, I, I made the joke about it, <clears throat> excuse me, to you upstairs, I don't know where upstairs here, that Darren Williams got his max contract, and he's, every day he's taking a step towards his next one being the mid-level exception somewhere, either to be a backup point guard on a good team or a starting point guard on a mediocre to bad team. Because he simply, in three years now, has not been the Darren Williams that played in Utah and then Darren Williams that came here at the end of the New Jersey run. You've he seen, hasn't been that player. You've seen flashes. You have. He just hasn't been that player. But that's it. Yep. It, 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 you see it, and then it goes away. And, and let, me, let me say this to Mr. Hollins, with all due respect. And this is completely different worlds and completely different money, but with the $15 an hour for fast food workers thing going on right now, it, it's somewhat a nap comparison. I'm not in that pressure situation at Wendy's uh, in, a, in the middle of a lunch rush, making burgers and chicken sandwiches anymore. I, I did when I was in college. I did. So you could attest to I it. Did. I was a manager at Wendy's. I'm still waiting for the, Come on, hit me with it. The point is, that doesn't mean I can't be upset when I get something wrong, when my food is made wrong, when something takes forever, when you're not doing your job, for lack of a better word, correctly, whether the situation is a pressure situation or not, that doesn't mean I can't get upset because I'm not back there in your shoes. Now, it's a completely different analogy with, with sports, and like you said, you have to live up to that. I'm not Darren Williams. I probably couldn't hit that jumper wide open standing there 10 times out of 10 because I'm not a basketball player. You're not player. getting paid $22 million to play NBA right. basketball. I'm also, I, I was just going to say, I'm not one of the top salaries in podcasting. If I say something wrong on this show, it happens. I get it. People will call us out on it. I'm not one of the top five paid podcasters in America the way Darren Williams is one of the top max players in basketball. You have to live up to that, and people have the right to be upset as fans when that happens. And I just want to clarify something. I'm not saying a guy who signs a contract that big has to perform on an otherworldly level every game. No. But any game would be nice. Yes. <laughs> is, where, is where the fans, I think, are getting into. Right. In his instance, listen, I've never seen in my, in my time – in this area, being a New York sports fan, I've never, ever seen a star player get a missing poster posted right by the arena with height, weight, contract numbers, and everything else than I did with Darren Williams last yeah. year in that Raptors series. Fans 
took time to make a missing poster and put it up around Barclays. All you Center. need to know is that at one point this year, he was a reserve. He was. Him and Brooke Lopez were yes, reserves. They were coming off the bench. Jared and Jack and Mason Plumley were starters. This is a team where t- two years ago, C.J. Watson, as the backup point guard, parlayed his tenure behind Darren into a nice contract in Indiana. Mm-hmm. This is a team where Sean Livingston, after you know, 2013-14, had a good year behind Darren Williams, filling in when he was injured, parlayed that into a nice little contract for himself in this Golden year State. in Golden yeah. State. Jared Jack has been a pretty good NBA player for the majority of his career. He has flashes of greatness, and then he has flashes where his head is elsewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple years he's got one year left on his deal, Jared Jack. No, no, no. He's uh, Jack has two more after this year. Two more after this year? At $6.3 million a year. So then in three years, if he continues, if he's Darren's backup for the next two years, when push comes to shove, would you be surprised if he lends himself one last nice contract somewhere else because Absolutely. of what he's done because he's, behind a guy who's yes. a max player? Well, what does that tell you about the player they're backing up? Yeah, that, that they're, they're, they're out there too much. That That's they're having the opportunity you. to make right. this of themselves to become something. That's better. my point. When when you're sitting there watching a Nets game, and Jarrett Jack, and he deserved it. He was hitting the shots. He was yeah. he was aggressive. He was taking the ball to the hole. Everything that Darren Williams needs to be doing, Jarrett Jack was doing. Mm-hmm. He deserved to be out there. I, I, I don't know. I, I, somebody. That's it, what makes it frustrating. It is. It's entirely frustrating. And and D will. He's making almost twenty million this year. He's got twenty one million next year, fifteen sixteen, and he's got sixteen seventeen. He's got twenty two million on the books. He has the ETO that year. But as we just said, or you just said before we started taping this, he'd be. An idiot <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, ins- to institute that early termination. Whereas, whereas now, if you look on the other side, Brooke Lopez has the ETO in his contract this year. He can right. opt out of the final year. That might be... At the All-Star break, you would have said Brooke Lopez is an idiot if he, if he right. takes Not his now. ETO. Now, I can almost guarantee you he's going to take that. Absolutely. Because whether he stays, if he stays with the Nets, he'll get more money. And if he doesn't, he'll get at least the same years. money, but years. Years. Absolutely. And if let me tell let me say this. I love Billy King. I love I talking too. to Billy King. We you know, we love Billy King in the show. If Brooke Lopez exercises his ETO and does not re-sign with the Nets, that is an indefensible situation for Billy King. You had the trades lined up at the deadline to get something for Brooke. He became he played like an all-star the last two months of the season. If he's not here next year. For no return, that is an indefensible situation. Just the way it is. I completely agree. I, I mean, at the All Star break, I, I I have to be honest. He was. He I'm was always honest. I was pushing Brooke out the door. He was on his way to Oklahoma City. I was pushing him out the door. I if couldn't do it right. fast enough. Yep. And if it wasn't for Brooke Lopez, the Nets would not even be in this first right. round series with the Hawks. Whether that's Chris Child syndrome or not, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll find out. But. Yes. You know, we weren't calling him the Wookiee monster for nothing because yeah. he was a beast. And then he shaved his head, and now he's just Brooke. Yeah. He does that every year. So though. maybe next Thursday. I mean, we've got games uh, Saturday, Monday, and then Wednesday would be game five. Yeah. M- next Thursday, let's hope we're not in a postmortem situation, hey, but I, it doesn't look good. But the, the thing that I started with this, I'll end it with it with the Nets. The thing that Net fans 
just have to be sitting there. And you could say all you want that you'd rather be frustrated by these tight losses. You're fooling yourself. You really are. Because you know deep down in your gut and in your heart, just like last year against the Heat, you could have beat LeBron. You could have beat LeBron in the Heat and moved on last year. Mm -hmm. And you didn't. And right now, look, I'm not saying the Nets would be up two zip. Because they the, could be. They were outplayed in the, in the first half of game one so bad that they couldn't climb out of that. We looked at all the stats afterwards. Jim Spinarco was here for the postgame. They lost the first quarter 32-20. They lost the game by seven. Mm-hmm. Their three-point percentage was abysmal. Again, I think they were five for 25. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you look at. over eight in the first half? Yeah. The, first quarter, yeah. the thing you look at. Is that first quarter, 32-20. Then the Nets won the second. They won the fourth. Or they won the, I think they won the second and third. Or no, second and fourth. They lost the third by two points. So if you go, if you take out that bad first quarter, the Nets won by five. Mm-hmm. But they, that, the Nets usually get off to a fast start. They didn't do that in game one. And they, they just couldn't dig themselves out of the hole. They, they, they dug themselves. In game two, I mean... This is how I pictured the Nets, and I brought this up on the post game after game one. They are like a heavyweight fighter who just will not stay down. Every time they get knocked down by the Hawks, you know, they, they, they scratch and claw, they get back to within one, or they take a one point lead, they go down by eight, they come right back. That's the thing that should have Nets fans right now optimistic. The last three games they've optimistic. Played, the last three games they've played the Hawks, they've lost by a total of what, 16 points? Three, seven, and five, 15. 114, 111. That's three. 99, 92, seven, 96, 91, yeah. five. That's, that's 13 points. Yeah. They've lost the last three games. Well. Yeah. And so far, they've lost all six games to the Hawks this season. Yeah. And you know what? It, it's been better, though. Yeah. It's been better because I think during the regular season, they lost by an average of like 16. Maybe if we're the NBA, can we get them a little more rest because your TV contracts make you play <laughs> games every three days? <laughs> I mean, the schedule, let's be serious here. They play Sunday afternoon, then they play Wednesday night, then Saturday, Saturday afternoon, afternoon, and then games four through seven, if, if any of them beyond four are necessary, are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So they have three days off in Atlanta, but then... Between four, five, six, and seven, when they go back to back to back to back, they've got one day off, which are all travel days. Who are the ad wizards who came up with this? <laughs> I mean, let's be serious here. Hockey, every first round series in hockey is four to five games in as of tonight. Yeah. <laughs> because they play every other night. Yeah. Yeah. Because because there's hockey there was a hockey game on USA last night. There's awesome. also one on CNBC. It's awesome. That's how I know where CNBC is on my dial because I watch the Olympics and and playoff hockey. There you go. Same way I know where True TV is because of the tournament. Right. You know, boy, with, do they pump in the between, promos? But between True TV, don't between they? TNT, ESPN, <laughs> local coverage. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I, I didn't before this series started, and I said it on here, so you know, I, I can't lie. I. I I thought this was going to be four and yeah. done. I said five. I, 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 and I think you're going to be right. I think the Nets get at least one. Now. Yeah. The, the way they played, I think they get one. I, I want them to get more. Hell, I want them to win the series. I think I said last week that there's been two blowouts and two close games with Atlanta in the regular season. So 
one of those close games could go their way. They haven't in the first round yet, but hopefully it's not two blowouts to finish off the series. <sighs> All right. Let's, let's move on to another sport that yeah. plays once a week, shall yeah. we? Yes, the NFL. The National Football League. And, you know, the schedule came out, and Lou and I will get into that in a second. But I, I, this Greg Hardy stuff, it, it, I, I just I got to get your opinion on something, okay? And I want to read some of this stuff. Just to refresh everybody's memory, in July 2014, this is an excerpt from Todd Archer. Uh, he's the ESPN Dallas uh, Cowboys reporter. See that murder she wrote comma there that I did? Uh, ESPN Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys reporter. Murder, she wrote. In July 2014, Hardy was found guilty of assaulting a former girlfriend, Nicole Holder, and threatening to kill her. And he received a 60-day suspended sentence, 18 months probation on misdemeanor charges. He appealed the judge's ruling in favor of a jury trial, and the case was dismissed in February when Holder chose not to cooperate with authorities after receiving a settlement from Hardy. Shut up so I don't go to jail. Okay. okay. This week, Hardy asked the court that his record be expunged. This suspension is something that we anticipated prior to Greg signing. We respect the commissioner's ruling. That's Jerry Jones in a statement on Wednesday. Our organization understands the very serious nature of this matter. We will use all our resources, work closely with Greg and the league to ensure a positive outcome. Now, here's my question to you before I move on to the little juxtaposition I want to get to here. Does the juxtaposition have to do with Jerry Jones? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. So after after all of the, you know, official United States court, you know, the way you're legal. Yes. The legal implications of this. The NFL did a two month investigation on its own. Okay, And here's what that found. In a media release, the league said its own two-month investigation determined that there was sufficient, credible evidence that Hardy engaged in conduct that violated NFL policies in multiple respects and with aggravating circumstances. Among other things, the NFL investigation concluded Hardy, now 26, used physical force against Holder in at least four instances during the altercation on May 13, 2014, including one which caused her to land on a futon that was covered with at least four semi-automatic rifles. Hardy's suspension is slated to begin September 5th, the day after the roster deduction, uh, reductions. He could participate in the Cowboys offseason workout program, training camp, and the preseason if he serves the full 10 games. The first game he could play is Thanksgiving Day against his old team, the Carolina Panthers. Like There's, they, that's like, that's like, convenient. They weren't they were looking at the schedule there. Okay, so. Because 10 is not an arbitrary number. Okay, so. It, it, February. Stuff gets thrown out. Yep. But the NFL, I'm pretty sure everybody in the NFL knows that they're doing their own two-month investigation independently. So I guess they don't need to see the video of the beating in the elevator anymore? Is that how that works? Here's my question to you. If the NFL has a player under investigation, A, how do you sign that player? And B, as an organization, how do you sign that player? That's why I asked if the juxtaposition had to do with Jerry Jones. Because isn't he one that said a lot of things about the Ray Rice situation and other things about the conduct policy and all that? And then they go out and sign a guy who was arrested for beating his girlfriend. I mean, it's Jerry Jones, so everything he says is full of you-know-what anyway. But let's be honest, not a good look there, Jer. No. Uh, Here's the juxtaposition, okay? 
Greg Hardy. He, he's a great. He's he's good at football. He's a great football. <laughs> he's a great football player. So is Adrian Peterson. And I, so is Ray Rice. Right. I get it. Fortunately, I get it. Thirty-three sacks in two years yeah. with the Panthers, something like that. Okay, great, fine. And they were a different defense without him. Yes, they were. Here's my issue, though. Tim Tebow, who was just signed by the Philadelphia Eagles, God bless him. Already ordered the jersey. Kid works hard. Uh, hasn't played in the league since when? Two years ago. All right. This is going back to November 22nd, 2011. In an interview, uh, this is uh, Michael David Smith. I want to give credit. Uh, well, I guess it's three years ago now. It was 2012. Michael David Smith, NBC Pro Football Talk. This was an article he did. Uh, in an interview on ESPN First Take, Tebow was asked about Jake Plummer former Broncos quarterback, saying that he doesn't need to say he loves Jesus Christ all the time. Tebow responded that, in fact, he does feel the need to say that he loves Jesus Christ all the time, and he has no intention of stopping. And this is Tebow, quote, if you're married and you have a wife and you really love your wife, is it good enough to only say to your wife, I love her the day you get married, or should you tell her every single day when you wake up and have the opportunity? And that's how I feel about my relationship with Jesus Christ, Tebow said. It is the most important thing in my life, so every opportunity I have to tell him I love him, or I'm given an opportunity to shout him out on national TV, I'm going to take that opportunity. Do you think, do you think Greg Hardy told uh, Nicole Holder he loved her while they were reenacting a scene from Scarface in his apartment that got him suspended? I don't think so. Okay. But that's a fair point Just out of curious. you. And click that because you, you, you had, even though if you, you described the scene, you still click the old. Ding. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, this is what – this is the world we live in that I just can't – my brain can't process. I, I know Hardy's a great football player, but where where's that line where we accept a guy – who, I guess I should say, allegedly beat his girlfriend, threatened to kill her, had his arms around her neck, where she just looked at him and said, just do it, kill me. Because she was so fed up, she wanted to die. She was so scared, she just wanted to die. That's her testimony, Mm -hmm. back on July 15th. Yes, it is. Word for word. This guy is going to play again. After a and he, he's appealing the suspension. Ten games. He'll be back. Thanksgiving. National TV audience against his former team, the Panthers. At the Jerry Dome. Where everything happens and it's great. Home of WrestleMania 32 next April. Where Jerry Jones farts and unicorns and rainbows come out of his arse. I mean, come on! We're going to accept the guy who did that. And I'm not saying people don't deserve a second chance. I'm not. I'm not. No. And, you know, talent talent has a lot to do with it, too. And I get it. Talent has a lot to do with it. I get it. But we crap all over a kid who gets on a knee and praises Jesus Christ and God. And we were rallying behind a guy that... Threatened a woman's life? I, I, I don't get it. I know Tim Tebow's, you know, he won a playoff game against the Steelers. If that's the only thing you have to stand on, there's no argument. We, we saw what he meant to the Jets, which was absolutely nothing. Now, granted, they didn't really use him. No. They signed the guy, and they didn't use him. And you don't necessarily know how Chip Kelly's going to utilize him either. You've got one quarterback who his. The two words butt fumble were made 
a, a compound Mark Sanchez, word. Sam Bradford. And you've got one guy who, like, can sneeze and tear his ACL. <laughs> so, and I'm an Eagles fan, and I'm saying this. I know. So, I get it. And you have Matt Barkley, who is the next in a line of USC quarterbacks who are peaked in high school Rob Lowe. Um, <laughs> thanks for the Facebook meme. Everybody I know that's not an Eagles fan, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. I especially loved it from the Steelers fan, whose quarterback is a rapist. Um, There's another one. Anyway, I get it. And you don't know how he's going to be utilized. And Tim Tebow is not the prototypical NFL quarterback, and he's not a Hall of Famer. And Greg Hardy, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but Greg Hardy is an all-pro defensive player. So I get that has a lot to do with it, but yeah, it's a little double standardy. I'm not even talking about on the field. I'm just talking about, you know, and everybody makes fun of what do we tell the kids? What do we tell the kids? Well, to a certain extent, protect the shield, baby. To a certain extent, you can't mock that. You know, a young fan of the NFL sees Oh, here, here was the best thing. Did it? Did, here. The Goodell. The, here, let me just really quick. Oh, yeah, because right, Roger Goodell is clearly. Roger Goodell, this is a portion of his letter to Greg Hardy. And I feel like if Casey Kasem was still alive, I would want him to do this as a long distance and dedication. Called Delilah. On American Top you. 40. You must have no further adverse involvement with law enforcement. And must not commit any additional violations of league policy, Goodell's letter to Hardy said. In that respect, you should understand that another violation of this nature. Now, here's the semantics. Let me read it again. In that respect, you should understand that another violation of this nature may result in your banishment from the NFL. Okay, now, May. No, all right. Why is there I'm a going, May? I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend Roger Goodell. God help me. I'm going to defend Roger Goodell. You have to say that because viol- he writes about a violation of the league conduct policy. It can't be a blanket policy. We've proven this with the domestic violence issues that have happened in the last year. The NFL has proven that they're. Conduct policy can't necessarily be a blanket in all cases. So if he gets arrested for speeding, I don't think you can kick him out of the league because, well, he beat his girlfriend and then he drove a little too fast. If he, if he, if he, commits, a, if he commits another I, act of domestic violence, if it's a DUI, if it's a weapons charge, if it's something felonious, yes. If he gets caught speeding, okay. all right. So not so much. Semantically, it's correct. Yeah, I see your point, but but I agree with your context. But I'm thinking in the way of, well, hold on now. (laughs) So wait a minute. If If you do this again, I might have to give you a timeout. I got you. I got you there. Yes. (laughs) If you do this again, Gregory, (laughs) Gregory, that's unacceptable behavior Uh, out of you, young man. What's Gregory's middle name? Because you know the middle name would come into play if he Gregory Joseph or whatever. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. Lewis Frank. Yeah. Actually, for me, it was Lewis Jr. That's Christopher how I Michael. Trouble. Yeah. Uh, I get I get you. Yeah. But it's a, it's a weird, 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 weird world we live in. And you know what? <sighs> the NFL investigation, they can do what they want to because it's just like basically the civil side of a criminal case. You can be acquitted of criminal charges and still have civil penalties I just, against you. I so. just feel for the kid. I feel for Tebow. That's all. I mean, I know the guy. He's not an NFL quarterback. I'm a Gator fan. 
I'll admit it. Yeah, I'm a Gator fan. I make no bones about that. I I am an Eagles fan. So I had a epiphany of goodness when I heard that news just because I'm happy for Tim Tebow. Why not have a guy? And, you know, Kurt Warner won an MVP. Kurt Warner won a Super Bowl. He did it. And they got on him. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with having a role model like that? Because what? Let, let, me, let me see if I can explain this based on my personal beliefs without trying to turn this into my pulpit. I have no problem with anything anybody wants to believe in as long as they're not the type that pushes it on me. Okay? I'm totally in agreement. So I don't particularly feel this way about Tim Tebow thanking Jesus and, and all the athletes who are Christians and who, who share their faith because they have the – it's just like anybody else who uses their position in life to um, – to kind of spread their, their gospel, for lack of a better word. I don't have any problem with that. There are people that do. I, I Personally, again, like, you know, okay, that's fine. That's his thing. Uh, I was watching – I actually watched – I watched Bill Maher on the reg. Mm-hmm. Fan of his comedy, and I mm-hmm. enjoyed listening to the banter on their show. He had Clay Aiken on last week, mm-hmm. former American Idol winner – or runner-up, excuse me, and uh, congressional candidate. He ran for Congress last year in North Carolina. Didn't win. And they, they talked about this, about how – you know, Bill laughed that maybe you should go have another couple of hit records and then you'll have a better position to preach your views and you know, espouse your, your values than you would in Congress, which is kind of a sad reality of life that he was it right. Is. Yeah. But that's the thing is that Tim Tebow has the position where he can shout out to Jesus Christ on national television. And that's, that's him showing his faith, believing his faith, trying to spread his word, which everybody does. Everybody does it. So I don't. Here's my. I don't have a problem with it. This is why I get upset. Because, look, I'm Catholic. Uh, I was an altar boy for nine years. I don't go to church regularly as I should. Um, And now the same kind of person that would have necessarily a problem with that Tebow thing probably would have made a joke right there about altar boys in the Catholic church and yada, yada, yada. I know. And that's fine. that's fine. Does the Catholic Church deserve it to an extent? I, I'm sitting here and I'm going to say yes. Sure. Okay? I, right. I, 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 look, my religion isn't perfect. But here's my issue. If you're an atheist, you can go out there and you could say there's no God and blah, 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 and you could do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Do whatever you want. No one says anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. But at the minute a kid... In a position like Tebow says something about Jesus, he's a freak, he's this, he's that, he should shut up, he shouldn't say anything. Well, wait a minute. I have to listen to you say that there's nothing out there. Yeah. I just want equality for everyone. I want people to be able to espouse whatever feelings or beliefs they have without anybody else having a problem with it. We're all individuals. We all have different beliefs. That's how you coexist. Yep. You let other people believe what they want to believe without any friction. That's all I'm saying. If you're an atheist, I feel like, I respect again. The, I respect the hell out of you for being an atheist. I do. I don't mock you. I respect you. That's your belief. Just respect me. That's it. Yep. And respect the kid. That's, That's your beliefs. That's all I'm saying. My beliefs are if I was going to live my life based on a book that may or may not be a truthful account of right. things. I can think of a lot better than that one. The Lorax comes to mind. <laughs> think about it. What's the message in the book? The Lorax. You know, 
don't take for granted what's around you because you never know what you have until it's gone. There's, there's, there's message in, in that. I'm using that as an example. There's, there's a message in the Lorax. Right. He also looks like Andy Reid, which is another matter altogether. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the point is, like, that's my belief or whatever my belief is. And I have my right to that. And you have your right to your right. belief. It's when people start to mock each other for it right. and get on each other for it is when things happen that are, like, Doug and I, good. Doug and I got into this before he left about Michael Sam. It was the same thing. Like, you know, there were people like, I, I, hey – if you play football, I don't care what you do. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But these people who are set in their ways. Especially in football where you have alleged rapists, murderers, dog killers, domestic, <laughs> domestic violencers. Right. right. And anything else. And a, and a guy who is a homosexual and, is really that much and, of an and issue? Mike, Michael Sam is a good kid. And, and he's proven that he's a good kid. And, you know, and we talked about this, too, about yeah. Missouri, how he yeah. came out to his entire yeah. team and they kept it a secret and how they were awesome about everything. But my thing – same thing with that situation on the flip side, the people who are criticizing it or kind of had a problem with it because of their faith, like Tony Dungy was a guy. And I had no problem with that because if, if, if you don't believe in that mm-hmm. lifestyle and then that's the way you were brought up yeah. – who are you to tell him with, with how, Tony, how to think? With Tony Dungy, it was a little, I don't want to say hypocritical. That's not the right word. But considering he was almost a mentor to Michael Vick after his transgressions. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It looked a little, it looked a little I, off that Dungy was now on I, this. I, but. I get it. I get it. But Man, y- it's not good. You can't, you know. You don't, don't be liking the men. Think, it's not good. Think about it like this, okay? You're born. You're growing up, your parents are molding you a certain way, and at a certain age, you're put into the kiln, okay? And you're cooked. Mm -hmm. That's you. And especially, like, I'm going to say people who are 65 and older. They're in some kind of generation. They're so hard and dry that they might crack at any moment. Right. But that's that's the thing I'm saying. Like, they're so set Mm -hmm. in their ways, you can't tell them how to think. No. They think the way they think. That's it. Social progress doesn't happen overnight for that right. reason. And, and they're not jackasses because they think that way. That's just the way they brought up. They were brought up in their faith and whatever. Anyway, let's, get, let's, let's move on. I, I, I had to say it. The Twitter machine. Up. What's uh, this Twitter? Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, I just have a quick comment on the NFL schedule before we move on. And that is, um, you know... Thanks, uh, thanks to the Pope. Uh, Speaking of religion, see, the Eagles have three of their first four games on the road. I, I don't understand how the Giants go 6-10 and ten and have four of their first six games as night games. Primetime it's, games. It's, yeah, it's a little weird. And, and, and let how me tell you right now. How many does Jacksonville have? Just the one? Know. Let me tell you right now. It has nothing to do with how the games are covered on the air. I like Monday Night Football. I like Tarico. I like Gruden. I like Al Michaels. I like Chris Collinsworth. This has nothing to do with the production of the game when the game is actually on my screen. This has everything to do with commercials after every play, Mm -hmm. and the games don't start till 8.30. I have stuff to do. (laughs) When you're in the New York market, regardless of how good or bad you are, you're going to get that because Uh, people are going to watch. Good lord. The first Eagles-Giants game is October 19th. It's a Monday night. We'll be out for that one. We will be out for that one. <laughs> Stanford World the Beer. Uh, you will see uh, Lou DiPietro 
in a Giants jersey. Tell them why, Lou. Tell them why you won. Because thanks in part to me and my group of first basemen who couldn't catch a ground ball if their <laughs> life depended on it. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, we lost. Team Pocono lost on Tuesday. We lost to Team Dover and their ringer of a shortstop who went yard twice. Yeah. Uh, we lost. I lost the bet. I will have to wear a Giants jersey. I'm just so glad I don't have to wear that Tim Tebow. Now, I would have wore the Tebow, but I would have put – could I have put tape around the Eagles on the side or no? No. I had to wear the whole yeah. thing. All right, good. I'm glad I won. I think we won 12-6. Yep. So Lou has to uh, – I got two innings at shortstop, and I think every ball that was hit in those two innings was hit went to, to me. shortstop, including my pop-up that you – The wind yeah. wreaked havoc on that. That was a mile high. In the Lou, other two errors were my fault. In Lou's defense, that was tough. Pop-ups, it was windy, it's right on the water. And we were playing on the legit Trenton field, so yeah. we were playing 90-foot. I mean, that's a... That's, 90-foot base. I don't have the arm from <laughs> shortstop to first base anymore, I'll be honest. Oh, um, boy. But it was fun. We had a good time. We met some good people. We got to hang out with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and um, Joey, Joey Logano. Logano. And yeah. we actually, as we promised, we taped some, some goodness uh, for the podcast, so... Uh, I guess since it's winners outs, uh, you want to do Joey first. We'll, we'll, we'll play him some Joey. Yeah, Joey. First. All right. Here's our here's our about five minute con, uh, convo with Joey Logano about uh, about baseball, and you might hate him a little more after you find out his allegiances. But here you go. Since this is your first ever baseball slash softball game, so how did it go for you today? Well, we won, so it went pretty well. We um, did. You and I did. I actually. know. We kicked that butt and. Uh, <laughs> It was fun. I didn't know what I was doing most of the time, but uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had the nuts and bolts of the game kind of down, but all the little uh, technicalities of the game uh, was, a, was a little bit yeah, confusing, but, see, but I had it figured out eventually. Second baseman shouldn't be lefty. That's number one. And number two, lefty second baseman never turned double plays, and you did that today. So how does that mean? It means there's a really slow runner, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, turn, come on, turn two has got to be an easy expression for you, given what you do for a living. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking... I kept hearing turn two, and I was thinking I was at a racetrack. Because I, was, I didn't really know what that meant, so I'm getting the lingo figured out, too. <laughs> what about your favorite NASCAR movie? You know, I, I go way back. I mean, I'm dating myself here, but Stroker Race. Stroker Race. was probably my favorite. So what? your favorite movie and your favorite character? Oh, I think Days of Thunder has got to be the, the best racing movie. Um, not very realistic, but a good racing movie. Right. It's, it's better than Talladega Nights uh, movie. So uh, I'm... Uh, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's just a fun, uh, it's funny for us to watch. I think when you're in this sport and you, and you see it and you kind of know what goes on, uh, the movies always makes it fun to watch. Hey, you're a local guy. You grew up in, you're from Connecticut. Are you a Yankee fan by chance? Uh, I'm, I'm, you're going to hate me, but I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> you know, where I'm from I'm in Connecticut, it's like split 50-50 Yankees right. and Red Sox. Yes. So, uh, but I don't, I don't like die hard root for anyone. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just I guess I grew up. I grew up on the right side of the line in <laughs> Connecticut, right there, and the, the the Yankee side. I guess that works yeah. out well for me. Not yeah. so much for me and Joey's friendship, though. I guess yeah. we're... I'm from Middletown, so right in the yeah. middle of the state, yeah. it's like completely split right there. Even so. the name of the town for crying out! I really, I just, I, I had to. I know, right? But I had, I have to. My, my grandfather was a huge Red Sox fan, so I had to. I had to. Kind Are of your go favorite with that, Red so. Sox of all time? I don't even watch the game though, so I don't even know. Come I just on. when people ask me the question, that's what I say. Is, 
Because that's what I say. If they're there, that you're going to root for them. I'll root for whatever. If they want to bring me to a Yankees game, I'm all about it. I'll go. I'll have got, some fun with it. You got, I mean, you guys are the winning team. I mean, you can make me Absolutely. fetch your drinks or something. I mean, yeah. We're on the same team. That? Absolutely. <laughs> as soon as your season's over, we'll get you to a Yankees. I am a blast. That'll be a good time. Hopefully they make the World Series. Season ends, what, November? November. Homestead? Miami? Yeah. yeah. What was it like for you to win Daytona? It being, you know, it's the Super Bowl of... The Super Bowl, the World Series of, of NASCAR. What was it like for you, to, you know, to take the checkered and, and go to victory lane? That was really neat. You know, Daytona 500. That is like, I mean, it's like the World Series in, in baseball. It's such a, uh, a big race. It's the first race of the year. It's so much time uh, building up to that and getting uh, ready for the race. Um, so when you finally get to, you know, bring that uh, car around the checkered flag and see it, and pull your car to victory lane and see your team there and everyone's going crazy. Uh, the emotions that you feel. Um, you can't describe, you can't put into words. And it's funny because the whole team just screams. Like We don't know what to say, it's just ah, the whole time. And it's, it's, it's funny, um, and, and really no other win feels like that. It's just such a big deal. And now, you know, that automatically qualifies you just about for the, the chase for the Cup. New playoff format last year. What did you think of the new playoff format last year with the eliminations going by through every couple of rounds? You know, it's very intense, and um, I think we saw that with a lot of the emotions that happened uh, with other drivers out there. And um, You know, when there's that much on the line, it, you know, the, the, like I said, the intensity level is so high that, uh, you know, tempers flare out there. And um, it, it's great because, it, you know, every three races there's, there's a, you know, a cutoff there. And, um, you know, you really can't afford to have a bad race do that without having to have to win uh, the next one in, in, that, in that round. So uh, there's no room for mistakes throughout 10 races. And um, I mean, it's 10 weeks of really not being able to sleep, you know, thinking about your race car constantly. So um, it's nice right now that we got that win, knowing we're in the chase. We can go out there and have fun and race for wins. Um, and when it comes down to, uh, you know, chase time, it's going to be a different story. You, you kind of went the complete game shutout last weekend, wire to wire. <laughs> I mean, so you know, you you got that that winning stroke going down. What do you you know? What are you looking forward to the rest of the season for your uh, for your team? Hopefully, winning at uh, Dover and Pocono. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent <laughs> answer, right? But um, you know, really, any any check you get to. But uh, really, at this point, it's um, all about finding more speed in our race car. It's about keeping momentum uh, going into the chase, making sure our team's rested up and ready uh, to hit the chase as hard as we can, and um, rack up some wins while we're while we're on our way. You got to keep moving. So thanks a lot for the time, Joey. We appreciate Thank it. You. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. So he's a Red Sox fan. Yeah, that's why but, you're gonna hate him. But you can't really hate him that much. No. He he did say that. He doesn't really follow the team. And I grew obviously I grew up in Connecticut too. I as I said in that I grew up I Just, guess I grew yeah. up on the right side of the line. Yeah, but, there you go. You know, um He did say he was from Middletown. Middletown, middle of the state, middle of the middle of the country. <laughs> um He answered that like a politician, he really he did. He did and he turned two as a lefty second baseman. He did. So that's and I was the first baseman. Unbelievable. I had to meet him halfway and, and give him a little glove slap. That was I don't know how he made that turn as a lefty. That's tough. He had to do the reverse spin. And you had the great question. Turn two. You probably That's right. You hear yeah. that all the time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, on the flip side, my captain was, was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Right. Um, who, uh, you know, unfortunately we didn't lead him to victory. But uh, he, he, he got led to victory twice at Pocono last year. He so he's, that's coming up. I believe that race is May 31st and Dover is June 7th or and vice versa. the 2014 Daytona um, 500 winner. Yep, so we, uh, we chatted with him as well. And before you throw to it, I just have to say this. He played one inning in the field, and the rest of the, I believe we got through six innings? Five. Uh, the rest of the five-inning game, he stood down the right field line 
with the fans, signed everything, and just talked yep. to the fans the whole time. And what you what you didn't see or you won't hear in our coverage, and what you didn't see because you were downstairs at the time, was during the media availability that was upstairs after dinner, um, Bubba Wallace, who played on my team as well, who's mm-hmm. a he's in the Xfinity series, right? Used to be the basically said series. he looks up to Dale in that regard that. No matter what, Dale's always out there signing autographs and doing this and that and being being a role model and being someone the fans can say, we love Dale because he's a good guy. So that's probably really good to hear from a, a contemporary of sorts. Um, but that's, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. So you can hear more about it. We did about six minutes with Dale, so, uh, so we'll throw to that right now. Here you go. Junior, uh, we asked Joey about winning the Daytona this year. What was it like for you winning it in 2014? Uh, it's just an amazing feeling, uh, one of the greatest feelings you can have at a racetrack, because that's the, you know, the probably the most coveted win. If you're a stock car fan and a, especially a driver, growing up dreaming to be a NASCAR driver, dreaming to be a NASCAR, that's the most coveted victory in my opinion. It's like the Masters. It's like the Super Bowl. Exactly. We we always call it the Super Bowl, but that's yeah. a great way to compare it. And and being at the first race of the year, when you win that. Is there a lot of pressure taken off, or is there a lot of pressure because the rest of the season is still there? It, it really, uh, you know, really, you, you hate to say it, but it doesn't really, really matter what happens the rest of the year after you win Daytona 500. <laughs> Everything else is gravy, but uh, we just, uh, it takes the pressure off because of our new system, that point system we have, where if, you're, if you win, you're kind of locked into the chase, and that locks you in early, takes the pressure off, you just get to go to the track and have fun. Now, going into that, you know, last year was the first year of that new format. As a driver, how, how tough is that to know that you've got 10 races to get to the championship, but every three it's going to be a new cycle, so you can't ever take a minute off? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, the stress is really, really high the further into the chase you get. When you first take off, you got 16 guys. You feel pretty good about your odds. But uh, the further you get down into it, when it starts to narrow down to you know nine and, and six guys and all that mess, uh, it, it gets really an, Knowing how intense it is, uh, you, you, you know you can't think about anything else. You don't even during the week when you're away from the racetrack, it's, it consumes your thoughts. So, uh, and we saw that sort of fall out into the racetrack, spill out into the action. You saw guys' emotions get really, really high at a lot of events last year, and that's just a product of that. I asked Joey Logano what the most realistic NASCAR movie would be. Your favorite NASCAR movie? Now look, I go back. To stroke a race. Yeah. That's my favorite of all time. I love Burt Reynolds. I do too. Your, your favorite NASCAR movie and your favorite NASCAR movie character. Burt, uh, stroke a race was my favorite character. I love uh, stroke a race because of just how clever it was for its time. Um, my favorite NASCAR movie is Last American Hero uh, with Jeff Bridges and Made in 71 about Junior Johnson. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me felt really authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though it was done in the 70s and, and they were all so young and, and inexperienced actors, you know, they were inexperienced as actors and uh, the movie didn't get a lot of... Uh, Exposure, it just felt really authentic to me. Very good, very well done. Would you ever have fastest chicken in the south on your car? 
I would, you know, <laughs> I would because um, when they were making that movie, Tim Richmond actually drove a car with Fastest Chicken on the South in a race really? to get some footage for the movie. And uh, he I was, never knew yeah, that. he was driving, wow. yeah, he was driving for uh, Blue Max right around the time he started. It was like the old Milwaukee, uh-huh. old, old Milwaukee car. They stripped the decals and, and painted it up like the Fastest Chicken in the South car. Yeah, he drove it in one race, and there's pictures of it on on the internet. And uh, I would do that. Tim Richards is a cool guy. He did it. I, why would I have a problem doing it? Yeah, we got we to gotta ask you one baseball question because we are the Yankees Network. The Kannapolis Intimidators are named after the Earnhardt legacy. You've got your own team <laughs> down, down home in Kannapolis. And you're a little bit more experienced in the baseball realm than Joey, who admitted this was his first game ever. Absolutely. He did a great job, though. He um, Turned two as a lefty. He did. Um, you know, he did, he did a great, great job. And he put himself out there. You know, it was fun to watch. But... Uh, I, uh, you know, I think that we got a lot. We're very proud of the Intimidators, and that was uh, something that meant a lot to our family when they changed the name of the team. And even today, you know, it still resonates with us and means a lot to us. My brother Kerry got to drive a Kannapolis Intimidators race car several times in the ARCA series up here in Pocono and uh, won the race, actually. So I had the skin off of that car with the Kannapolis Intimidators on the on the side. It's in the woods with all the with, the, with all the other cars in the graveyard. But we, um, we're very proud of that, very proud of that team. Uh, we, we have company events there all the time at all the games, uh, at least once a year. They do a Hendrick uh, family night out there at, uh, at, their, at their ballpark, and uh, we're very proud of that. Speak, speaking of Pocono, are you going to let anybody else win one of these times here coming up in a few weeks? I was so proud to sweep there <laughs> last year. The first win was my first ever at Pocono, and then we went and swept the thing that, uh, in, the, in the next race that year. So uh, very very happy with uh, our results over the last couple trips for sure. Love to go back. It's, a, we've, it's been a track we've been fast at for several years, so I expect to be competitive this time. You've, you've won at Daytona, you know, you won the 500, you've won in July, the Pepsi 400, and on as the songs have changed. How tough is it to win that second race at the same track in the same season? It's just, you know, it's real tough to sweep anywhere, but Pocono is very challenging because it's a, you know, it's a, a the, pay, the pavement's relatively new and the cars are really fast, and it's, once you get a guy out front, he's going to be real hard to get by. So, uh, that was our that was sort of our mo. We just needed to get the lead late in the race, and then it was gonna be hard for everybody to get by us, and it worked out for us. So you need to come out uh, in the last few pit stops. You need to be coming out front and uh, restarting in the lead, restarting on the outside of the front row. You can't drive up from uh, you know sixth, seventh, eighth to win that race. Dale, thanks a lot. Thank you know you gotta get going. Thank you very much, Dale. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Joey Logano. A great day. Uh, at Arm and Hammer. Yes. And Thank then, you to the Trenton Thunder and to NASCAR for having us. Will Smith. The our, Fresh Prince of Trenton. Our buddy Eric. Um, rookie was there. Rookie. Was Rookie there? Rookie and Derby were Derby there. Were, Derby was there. I, I was petting Derby. Was that Derby or Rookie I was petting? They were both there. Yeah, oh, okay. you were with Derby, but they were both there. Yeah. But, yeah, we had a great time. I, it was unbelievable. Anytime you could play on a minor league field, whether yep. it's softball or baseball, it's a thrill, and I got to bring the family down and the kids. It was, and they, the, the Thunder did it right. I mean, they gave the kids some. Uh, it was kids eat free night. Some vouchers. Yeah. They got a hot dog. They got popcorn. If you're in the area, even if you're not in the area, take a drive down to Trenton. Lou and I were talking about it when we were down there. You know, the future of the Yankees organization is pretty much in Trenton right now. Yeah, you'd be a fool not to spend twelve dollars and go see a Trenton yeah. Thunder game. 
Seriously. It's $12 for the like the best seats in the house. It's $3 to park in the lot. And, you know, you go on a night like uh, Tuesday was Dollar Dog Night. Yeah. Mason Williams, Jake Cave, they're they're playing out of their minds right now. Aaron Judge is there. Yeah. Eric Jagailo hit a home run that night. Who currently leads the team in average home runs, RBIs, and on-base percentage, I believe. As of as of Thursday, Luis Severino yeah. in the Greg rotation. Bird, Greg Gary Bird, Sanchez, Gary Sanchez. I mean, good lord! It's like that old SNL skit. You remember with the like MLB stars cruise, and they just kept going and going and going. <laughs> it's literally like that. You sounded like Seinfeld right there. Why don't you want to salsa and get salsa? A little bit. You did. So yeah, you should. I mean, all of the minor league affiliates are a good time. Scranton, Trenton, Staten, Staten Island. Island. If you're listening to this down south. Charleston and Tampa also, you know, the future of the organization. It's a fun time. Go check it out. Yeah, you could hear everything. You could hear the coaches. You could hear the players. It's just a great experience. It really is. And you get to see rookie retrieve bats. You do. It's better than that. Derby retrieving bats? Yeah, that that, that could be it. He's a little better at it. He's a little more seasoned. All right. Since we're talking about the Yankees now, let's... We'll wrap it up with a little Yankees. Segway. We've hit our magic... Excuse me. I got a little flegum issue going on today. We've hit our magic hour or so, but we gotta. We do have to mention the Rangers are up three one. The Islanders are tied two two as we speak. That's right. our hockey talk done. Okay, under the Yankees. <laughs> uh, nobody cares about hockey, Boomer. Um, I do. Just for the. Record. I would like to see a Rangers Islander series in the next round. So I hope the Isles win too. But anyway, well, I'll be watching the Islander game tonight to make yeah. sure that happens. Yeah. So uh, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Yankees and let's, turn it around. As we tape, the Yankees are about to about to kick off. First wrap pitches, wrap uh, up their four-game set with the Tigers. First pitches in a few minutes as we speak, and in the uh, they've done pretty well, eh? And in honor of the late great Jose Lima, Lima Tang, it is Tanaka Tang today. So uh, we'll see mm-hmm. how he could do. But uh, yeah, they are starting to turn around. There are still some big question marks yeah. that Yankee fans, even though they won thirteen four last night, uh, a lot of people on Twitter want to talk about Didi Gregorius. <laughs> And if they lost, the magnifying glass probably would have been on him. Yep. If it weren't for them um, scoring 13 runs, opening up a can of whiplash on David Price last night. Seriously, could anybody have David Price's number more? No, not right now. And, you know, <sighs> post game, he, he was very, uh, very terse, trite. What's the word I'm looking for? Both, really. Mm. The Yankees is my daddy. They just, well, kind of close to that, but he said it was. It's not anything about the Yankees having his number. He just says I didn't have my stuff. And let's be honest, when it was you, thirty-eight degrees. Yeah, last and when night. you throw fifty-one pitches in an inning, like he did in the first inning last night, your second and your third, because he made it into the third this yeah. time, ain't gonna be so good. Thirty-eight degrees. It was snowing in the first inning. And listen, when it's eighty to ninety degrees, and David Price is in Yankee Stadium. You're going to see a different David Price. Yeah, because Derek Jeter won't be coming up to, to make him his daddy. That, too. <laughs> Hit 3,000, yeah. Jeter. Jeter owns him. But, no, they, there's been a lot of things to, that have looked good in the series. Nathan Avaldi looked very good against yes, a very did. good lineup on Tuesday night. Hit 98 in the seventh inning. CeCe Sabathia, despite the fact that he lost. Pitched well. Pitched well. Extremely and well. And you and I you and I disagreed on this. We talked about this on Tuesday after Monday's game. You kind of brought me around. Whereas though. you said you wouldn't have brought him out there. After the sixth inning, whereas I said this is where you've got to see, even though he was at seventy pitches, you wouldn't have brought him back out there. Well, let me let me ask you this. Whereas I said this is where you got to see if he can do it. If it's July, late July, say mm-hmm. same situation. Absolutely, your, go to the bullpen. Your bullpen is solidified. 
you're trying to save CC. So it was, it was the moment. But my gut, like I told you, I was sitting there watching the game, and my gut said, top of the order. You know, I know he only has 69 pitches, but, you know, the strength of this team is the bullpen. Why not just go to the bullpen and get through the last Especially against innings. a team like Detroit, where one, right. through, one through nine, with Jose Iglesias hitting 400. Can hurt you. Can hurt you. It's like that early '90s Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, and you know what? In late July, it's a different story. In April, this in his third third start, Mike Gallego you, was your weak link. If that was a weak link at all, this is where you find out what CC's got. It didn't work out in terms of the final score, but it wasn't terrible either. So it, you know, it's not like he gave up seven runs in the seventh. Right, round. and I think the best is yet to come for Michael Pineda. Yep, I don't think he's really had his good stuff, but we know the cold weather. Wasn't really conducive to him last year. I think both teams kind of got lucky because, you know, you say, oh, the, the Yankees avoided Shane Green, who's off to this ridiculous start. And and in the first 15 days of it, making the Didi Gregorius trade look worse than Ken Phelps for Jay Buhner. But, yeah, that would be Frank Costanza's yeah, new uh, but Jay Buhner. It's 15 days in, and we've gone over our thoughts on this. But on the other side, the, Yankee, the Yankees didn't get to see Pineda on the mound for them, who might arguably be their best or most effective pitcher on the whole. So I guess maybe both teams benefited in that regard. But like I said, Evaldi looked great. Adam Warren, the first inning showed you why Adam Warren will not be a starting pitcher for this team. Moving forward. If there's other options. Let's right. put it that way. Because as as good as Warren's stuff is, and he gutted out five and two-thirds yesterday. He did. After walking for the first five yep. guys he faced. But you go out there with a 6 nothing lead, and surely, as Michael Kay mentioned, 30 minutes on the bench, probably had to play it. It's 38 degrees. Oh, absolutely. But you can't do that. No. And that's been his problem all year. All year. He's made three starts. But that's been his problem, is that he's these three starts, he gets into a lot of deep counts. He, was, he had the leadoff hitter, 0-2. He had ghost 0-2. Walked him in a seven-pitch at bat. You can't do that. He does that a lot. Whether it's because he's utilizing more pitches, he doesn't have his command, whatever the issue is. you got to throw everything else out the window. Whatever, when you get six runs against David Price in the first inning, you can't walk for the first no, five guys you Throw face. the ball over to plate. Just throw strikes. Yeah. That's it. You don't need to nibble. You don't need to be throw fancy. Throw fastballs. Throw strikes. Yeah. Here, hit it. Because that's a game where if you can get through, you know, Warren's pitched four innings in his last start. I think he got through five in his first start. He's not, he, he's not Clayton Kershaw. He's not throwing a complete game on 91 pitches right. anytime soon. He might throw a complete, uh, you know, a complete cut in the middle game at 91 pitches if the game ends in the fifth inning. Might be more his speed. But that's the game where you just need to get through and, and you know, kind of pitch to contact almost and, he struggled with that. So he's been an effective weapon in the bullpen. When Nova and Capuano come back, as great as he pitched in spring training, Warren's not really making a great case for himself right now, but he's going to have four or five more starts to do that. You know, Nova's not even eligible to come off the DL until Memorial Day, and Capuano probably won't be back until close to then anyway. So he's going to have a few more, but we'll see what Tanaka time does. And if they can come out of Detroit with a 3-1 series win or even a split, I mean, that's, that's saying something against it. possibly the best team in baseball. Absolutely. Well, not anymore. That's the Mets. No. Yeah. <laughs> without David Wright, without Travis Darno, Without Jerry Blevins now, who was one of their bullpen. Yeah. 
Jerry's familia looks like Mariano Rivera out there on the mound at this point. Things are going good in Queens. They could actually sweep a 10-game homestand tonight. <sighs> Unbelievable. Or today. Today. Yeah. A 10-game homestand. Unbelievable. That'd be their best start ever. 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 And it's not like, I mean, it's not like they've played crappy teams. The Marlins were expected to be much better. The Phillies are terrible. But they, the Nationals, you know, the Marlins were expected to be better. These are good teams. We'll see what happens when they come across town starting tomorrow for the Subway Series and get Michael Pineda in game one. But right now, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic. But I will caution Mets fans this. Islanders fans were saying the same thing in November. You don't win a season in November. That's right. So I will be happy for the Mets and their fans if the Mets are in it and winning and doing well in the end. Even if it's at the expense of the Yankees, I will be happy for them. It's one love, one city. I get you. But just remember that, again, the Islanders fans in November were, were the best team in the city, were this, were that, were this. And come May... The Rangers will still be playing, well, and they might not. It, the The narrative was the best team in New York and the best player in New York was John Tavares. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Rick Nash kind of took that over, and the Rangers kind of yeah. took over the best team. And thing. then Cam Talbot won 136 games in a row while Henrik Lundqvist yeah. was out. So, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it happens. Kind of hard not to be the best team in New York when your backup goalie is leading you to the President's Trophy, pretty much. Anyway. <laughs> Tough. Tough yeah, life. Uh, but, you know, as a true Ranger fan, and I know Doug's probably feeling this too, no matter how confident you are. You're never confident until that fourth one's in the books. Like Marty St. Louis said last night in the postgame show, you don't, it's not a race to three. It's a race to four. Yep. And the Rangers know it better than anybody against the Penguins because they were down 3-1. Yep. And they came back to advance. So we'll see. I, I expected I, – I ran into a couple people at the gym – big Ranger fans, and they came up to me looking for optimism. And I gave it to them. And this was after the Penguins tied it at one with the game two win at the Garden. And I said, look, I've seen it, and Doug and I talked about this too, I've seen it way too many times with this team where AV can fix things in between periods and they come out like a different team. They didn't match the Penguins' intensity. They didn't match the Penguins' hustle. They didn't match anything in Game 2. They came out flat. They were yeah. flat as a pancake. A tour de farce performance. Yes. Unbelievably bad. Game, before Game 3, I said, you watch. Here's what's going to happen. The Rangers will be the aggressors. Mm-hmm. Hank is going to be Hank. And they're going to win. I said 3-1. And they won 2-1. So and I, then last night they were dominated. The Penguins were desperate in their building. Yeah, they dominated the first period, and the Rangers came back and tied it. And then Kevin Hayes. It should show you about the medal of this team. And the in that game three win, you sat back and you said, "All right, this is the kind of hockey you expect. This is the kind of adjustments you expect AV to make between a game because we've seen it mm-hmm. in between periods." And the locker room, the, the, the strong mix of veterans and the young guys like Hayes, who scored that game winner, uh, who was drafted by the Blackhawks, by the way, mm-hmm. but went back to college, and now he's a blue shirt. So, uh, yeah. Another Boston College guy. Yeah. Kreider. Didn't he, he played with Kreider at BC. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just a good feeling. 
but again, it's a race to four. It's not a race to three. Uh, I, I expect them to wrap things up. I really do. Um, but you could also see it going seven because that's just the way. That's what I want to say. The last ten minutes of that game three win, the Rangers just kind of went into self-defense mode. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't attacking anymore. They were just trying to get the puck out, clear it, clear it, clear it, and play defense. I kind of likened it to the 1980 USA-USSR game when Herb Brooks looked at the scoreboard. There's 10 minutes left, and you're just, like, counting every second. I mean, that last 10 minutes of game three. Not playing to win, playing not to lose. Right. Prevent defense Mm -hmm. only prevents you from from winning. winning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. It's so so nice to share a brain with your co-host. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) – The Cheshire Cat grin on Lou's face was priceless. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's a good part to, uh, point to wrap up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we've reached our magic hour and change. Yeah. Um, and next week, you know, like I said, next week, we'll see if it's a Nets postmortem or not. We'll see if it's an Islanders postmortem or not. Could be a Rangers postmortem. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the, anything can happen in the NHL. The Stanley Cup playoffs are the most exciting. Bounces, posts, you know. crossbars. Look at the Islanders. Perfect example. Yeah. They could have taken a 3-1 lead. Cal Clutterbuck comes down the wing with 11 minutes left in period three of game four. Rings went off the post. Clangering. Rings went off the post. Overtime, that same game. Penguins, or no, the the Penguins, think about the Rangers. The Capitals with this tremendous setup. Johansson tapes one. To the stick, and I, I can't, can't remember who it was. But Halak comes out, cuts the angle down, kick save, saves the Islanders. A minute later, can't save them. Nope. Nick Backstrom finds a way to sneak one by him right inside the post. Those sneaky Swedes. And if you need any, any reminder of how bounces and sticks and posts play into a series... Why don't you head over to somewhere and buy the last year's Stanley Cup finals? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if you don't think it could change in a second. Ask Dan Girardi dime. how one mental mistake yeah. can change a series. Yeah. Uh, just terrible. Terrible. And as I said, take 10 years, a decade off your life. Anyway. If they ask Dan Girardi, I'll just say this. If they yeah. ask Dan Girardi a question about something negative and he busts out a Joe Girardi, it's not what you want, I'm going to lose it. Because that would be awesome. I'm just saying. Well, they did share lockers. Remember, they yes. got the uniforms mi- mixed up at I did. the uh, Winter at the Classic. Stadium Series, yeah. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We hope you enjoyed the NASCAR stuff. That was a new little wrinkle, but, yep. it, you know, when we have the opportunity to do things like that, we're going to do it. We're also looking to take the podcast on the road more often. Uh, if you have any um, suggestions for Lou and I to come down and visit do, your uh, – Yeah, visit your town, do the podcast live. And, and you know what? Let's start talking about this at the beginning. Um, as we continue to do this, because maybe we get some tweets, you know, just tweet at us, tell us what location you want us to come down to, and, and we'll be more than happy to bring the show on the road. Uh, we'll bring you up. You could sit there and talk with us. We'll have you on for a segment, uh, you know, kind of like a little Guy Fieri thing where he does the diners, drive-ins, mm-hmm. and dives. It'll be Chris, Lou, and you. How about that? You could be on the Chris Sheeran Show podcast. 
with Lou DiPietro, Chris Sheeran, and you. I think we have to do that. I think we have to take it on the road and, and like have a uh, I'm in. third host. I'm in. Sit in with us. I'm in. So do it. Let us know where you want us to come. Yeah, Oriama, where in Long Branch can you meet us? <laughs> uh, we'll bring back all the old co-hosts of all the podcasts. We'll yeah. have a podcast of Palooza. Dude, that's a good idea. That would idea. be a good time. Yeah. I think contractual obligations prevent us from doing part of that. Well, one person might have an issue. <laughs> yeah. So Sorry. Sorry, buddy. Anyway, uh, listen, Lou and I, as I always say, we really appreciate you checking it out. Uh, be sure to check out our Facebook page as well. We post um, pictures and nonsense there as well as the podcast and, you know, stuff we're going to talk about. We, we throw it up there, too. So check out our Facebook page. Uh, check us out on iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribe to us. It's free. Uh, it's the Chris Sheeran Show. Lou DiPietro, Chris Sheeran. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>